Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today we're talking about various taxonomic groups within the industry. Now, I'm very happy to introduce to you Tom Clark. Welcome, Tom, to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. If you want to introduce to all our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you work, and exactly what you're about. I'm Tom Clark, as you said. I work at Paradise Wildlife Park, Zoological Society of Hertfordshire. Uh, I'm the section leader of the birds, but I also uh, lead the animal training on, on the whole site as well. So I advise all the other section leaders and people and just help them with their training to make sure that we're all doing it in, in the right way, really. You know, just talk about various taxonomic groups. That just sounds like a, a bog standard keeper, but I guess there isn't that isn't a generic term anymore. You know, a bog standard keeper is so much more in the modern day. And I'm sure the listeners are going to want to listen in and, and actually hear your journey because it isn't always a simple a b and c everyone's got a different route and i'm, I'm sure that's the same with you yeah yeah <laughs> i i mean i've been doing it for what near on 15 years now definitely has not been an a to b in any way shape or form but yeah they full of lots of experiences that you know life lessons and hard work very much so Yeah. is there I, I guess with with those stepping stones are there those key moments that you can pick out any any stories or anything which really stands out for you in terms of your gaining of experience to where you are today how long have you got <laughs> uh no loads really i mean i i've been at paradise wildlife park my whole career institutionalized as some might say but i i've been there my whole career but i've worked on every area of the animal department at some point from starting as a cover keeper to going to being a reptile keeper for a short period of time back to cover keeper and then birds and working my way up and i mean i think a real turning point for me i went onto reptiles and i was the only reptile keeper and i was probably early 20s 2021 20, at the time and i was at that stage where you're like i know everything um I, i'm the only reptile keeper i'm in charge myself i know everything and i quickly learned that i didn't learn i didn't know anything <laughs> well i did know lots but i didn't know everything and and actually i aged quite it was about two years down the line where i went you know what i need to almost start again here like there's new heads of sections at the zoo that i can learn lots from and actually instead of just keep trying to plow through at this stage i could not step down a level but like go back to being a cover keeper work with lots of new people learn lots of new things and actually at that period of time i went from not really liking my job to really liking my job again and and it was probably from that moment where i animal training really took off with me because um the wonderful nikki plaskett was working on uh on birds at the time and i started working with her and i was like this is awesome like allowing the animals to offer you behavior and you reinforce it rather than you just being like oh i'm gonna pick you up and put you over here and you need to go over there it's actually like that that really changed my whole outlook on on the industry and what i was doing and it was from that moment that yeah animal training kind of really took off for me yeah sounds, sounds like a journey and a half in itself now obviously as to what this podcast episode's all about is, is about those taxonomic groups you've touched on it yourself you work with quite an array already throughout your career what would you if someone was to try and put you into a, a box effectively 
what sort of keeper would you say you are, I guess, to kick us off? It's funny. Any Anyone that knows me goes, Tom Clock wants to work with aquatic mammals, sea lions. He, that's that's a, And they're the one, one species that I've never worked with, uh, basically. Um, but I've always, for years, years, been like, I really want to work with sea lions. I don't know what it is, sea lions or, or any sort of aquatic mammals and stuff, like, is, is always what I've been about. But, again, for me, I, I do consider myself a mixed taxa even though i'm section leader of the birds the fact that i get to go and do the animal training with all the other animals and stuff as well really is good for me uh, because I, I i love any animal really to be honest with you i know that's quite a cliche thing to, to say but like I, I can appreciate every animal for what they are and actually the training side of things seeing animals work things out Every animal does it differently, individually, as well as species. That really interests me. Yeah, and, and to obviously any listeners listening in to maybe wanting to change taxonomic group, whether they're just starting their careers, how would you pitch your field? Obviously, you say you're a mixed species uh, sort of keeper. What's the advantage to that? The advantage to that is you keep your options open for everything. Um, and I think that is one area that I maybe went wrong when I went into just reptiles so early. I, obviously, I know each zoo is different, but cover keepers, people like oh you're just a cover keeper ah, no way cover keeper is probably one of the hardest jobs to do in a zoo because one day you're working with reptiles the next day you're working with birds the next day you're working with primates and and that is really difficult because you have to be so different around those different taxonomic groups and again all, all the different individuals as well so i actually say like being a cover keeper is, is one of the best things you do do it for as long as possible and then when you know what you want to work with go for it i always say to people you should never pigeonhole excuse pump but pigeonhole yourself to like a set species too early in your career because otherwise you, you do miss out on a large opportunity but that being said animals are animals and a lot of the basics are the same across all the taxonomic groups yes there's slight nuances as as we all know in into each species but you know if you know how to look after an animal you know how to look after an animal and, and the basics never change you know if you can use a dustpan and brush for a, for a, for an animal you can use it for any animal so you know it's it's uh yeah it all crosses over no i think that's exactly it and it, you know i think it's very easy for someone starting their career you know straight away you're drawn to the 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 big you know the great apes the the larger hoof stock your, your iconic species when actually never underestimate things like you know your fish, your invertebrates, you know, stuff which does catch you by surprise. hundred percent. Again, yeah, when I first went into it, I when I started volunteering, uh, I was always on the hoof stock. I was like, yeah, I like the hoof stock. That's what I want to be. And then because of my zoo that I'm at, obviously cats is quite a big thing. We've got lots of big cats there and, and whatnot. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, I want to work with the big cats. I want to work with the primates. And I did the same myself. Go back 10, 12 years. If someone had said to me, oh, yeah, 10 years time, you're going to be section leader of birds. I would have laughed in your face. I would have had no interest in birds. I'm fascinated by birds. I mean, people people know me. They know I'm not like a bird nerd. Uh, you know, I, I call, you know, things silly little birds and stuff like that. But like hornbills, softbills, birds of prey, parrot, anything like that. I, yeah, absolutely love. But again, I like I said, I don't pigeonhole myself to, to one set species. You know, things can always change and who knows where I'll be in five years time. No, exactly. That. And that works perfectly into the next question of this podcast. And that is enrichment now enrichment is obviously key to all of our animals lives to, to contribute to animal welfare and and hopefully given a good experience to our guests but more importantly as say a great day to our animals now with enrichment 
it does change on the taxonomic group. It is variant. It's needed to be, whether it be resilient because an animal is too strong or whether it be submergible because it needs to go underwater. Whatever it may be, it needs to be specific to that taxonomic group. And I guess with the species you've worked with, is there any any little gems? Are there any enrichment ideas that you've you've maybe constructed or you've worked with that have worked for those taxonomic groups? Birds of prey are always probably some of the most difficult birds to enrich, I find, because we fly them every day. What's more enriching than flying? Well, kind of nothing really. Like that's the most natural behavior for a bird to be able to do. And as long as you can change that bird's, you know, what it's doing, it's not doing the same thing each day, then that is in, in itself probably the most enriching thing. I would always argue that training animal training is a form of enrichment because you are making that animal think outside the box and you know getting you can even get it to display natural behaviors that an enrichment item might never necessarily do but if we're talking specific enrichment items so with the owls texture based stuff so we've actually um filled holy rollers with camel fur and they absolutely love that they go mad for it owls are not a forager they're not going to search for their food if you hide it if you hide their food they just won't eat so yeah like texture based stuff with the owls always works really well and camel fur has always gone down well just got to make sure you don't give them too much so they don't eat all of it because they will try to eat as much of it as possible but that's that's quite fun and then like penguins and stuff we build them sand castles and they love destroying sand castles and like baby toys they just collect them and put them in a nest poo all over them and then you've got to clean them but they seem to love it um bubble machines as well for the penguins they they seem to absolutely love so yeah i mean there's so so many different things you can do my biggest thing is i always try to find enrichment that doesn't involve food because the easiest enrichment for people to do is put food in a box chuck the box in oh they got forage for it or forage tray or you know it always revolves around food i always try to find enrichment that doesn't involve food as much as possible and um, because like i said the food enrichment is the easy enrichment to make whereas finding stuff that doesn't involve food and is still enriching can be more challenging yeah no exactly that and i guess that leads on to the other aspect is that there are times where sadly we we do have to go and do something else rather than just admiring our animals and and you know enriching their lives but there is more we can do and that comes with the enclosure design and, and our specs with that now obviously once again enclosure design is is only growing year on year in the industry with regards to needing more space needing more just general built into it to benefit our animals now with regards to your taxonomic groups once again that you've worked with your birds your reptiles whatever it may be is there any specific enclosure design aspects that are key and have worked really well yeah so birds of prey again quite a funny one depending on that bird because everyone always goes more space more space they must have more space but actually for some birds of prey more space can be quite dangerous especially things like your falcons so we at paradise we do not tether any of our birds so all of our falcons are free lofted and fly every single day so when they come out uh, they come over we we turn the telemetry on um we then will either walk them out on a glove again no anklets no jesses they're sitting on our glove because they want to uh, and then they go do their flying they come back because they want to they go into a travel box because they want to yes obviously we're using food as a motivation but that is life you know that is how an animal lives its life out in the wild so yeah so actually because the fact that we free loft these birds that have always traditionally been we are learning lots about what's suitable for for an enclosure for a bird not just being free lofted but free lofted and flown you know there are places that have done it but we are one of the first to really well our whole bird collection whole bird of prey no anklets no jesses no uh, the only equipment we use is is telemetry and i think we've learned a lot about suitable materials to use the size of the enclosure 
all things like that. So yeah, like like I was saying with Falcon, you you want the enclosure to be big enough that they can move around, but not so they can fully take flight. Because if they can get up to a speed quickly enough, but not slow down, then that's where they're obviously gonna like injure themselves by flying into things. And just yeah, again, like suitable materials and stuff to use. Like traditionally, cages are made out of mesh and cage and stuff like that, and that's terrible for birds really because if they do fly into them which will happen you know they're, they're flighted birds they're gonna fly and they might catch themselves you know and the mesh is just not forgiving so netting and and even bars even though people don't like the look of bars bars are great because they flex and they wobble so if a bird hits it it doesn't affect them but our our main thing now when we're making enclosures for our birds is actually making them so that it's suitable for us to do things like turning telemetry on do we have like stations for them to sit on when we're entering an exit exiting do we have places where to go so it's not just thinking about you know what the bird is going to use and do during the day but also how can we make their life and our life easier when we come to work them uh, and stuff as well so having hatches that they can fly out of rather than uh, you know walking them out the door or anything like that so yeah it's quite challenging but good it's fun sounds great sounds great to hear now i i guess for anyone listening in and wanting to be part of this wanting to be part of the, the zookeeping industry or, or simply already here maybe and looking for a new role or whatever it may be digging deep for this one have you got any advice for anyone listening in to to get to where they need to i guess it's as simple as it is and as broad as it can be i mean my my best advice is take the opportunities when they arise but also take your time I've seen so many people come into the industry and want everything right here and now. And then two, three years down the line, they're burnt out. They don't want to do it anymore. They've, they've lost the love for the job. And, and I was, I was guilty of that as well. Like I said, like I, I saw the opportunity to be the only reptile keeper and I was like, I can be in charge myself. I can, I can, you know, I can lead a section. It would be great. And, and although it built my character to some extent, I also think, yeah, that was a really stupid decision. I should have just like waited a little, little while. So I think, yeah, if an opportunity arises, that's not the only thing you're going to do for the rest of your career. You know, like I said, I, I, if someone had told me I was going to work with birds, I would have laughed in their face. But the opportunity came to be deputy of the bird section, working with Nikki, who was animal training. Animal training was what I wanted. And I was like, right, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to have to stay there forever if you know if another opportunity arrives i can i can move and, and stuff like that but this is a great opportunity for me right now so i think yeah just don't be too desperate to achieve everything in in one go enjoy it as well i think so many people end up not enjoying it because they're just constantly wanting the next thing the next thing the next thing the next thing and i think that is one of the most important things that if you've got five minutes to go and spend with an animal go and take that five minutes to spend with the animal because you're working eight to ten hours a day and you could get to the end of it and go i haven't even seen an animal today like what what was i doing this for like so i think it is really important to make sure that you do do that totally and that is the biggest thing is fortunately life sometimes does get in the way and you, your brain does go a little bit too fast tracked when actually taking everything else aside all the negativity we've got a very desirable job which everyone would love and, and to be able to bond with your animals daily it is the dream yeah, 100%. And you speak to any zookeeper, they say, oh, I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the money. I do it because I love the job. And it's like, well, you're not even loving the job at the moment. So what are you doing it for exactly? You know, you like, make sure you give your, yourself that time to enjoy what you are, are doing and, and take that extra two minutes to, you know, sit with the animal and enjoy it and feed it or go, actually, I want to try this bit of training or I want to, you know, it definitely 
it makes a difference not only to you it makes a difference to that animal and you can keep you enjoying the, the job definitely like, like i said there's so many highs and lows i think like i mean i'm plucking this stat out of the air but i'm pretty sure i read that you know working with animals actually has one of the that those jobs actually have one of the highest rates of like mental illness and, and stuff like that because you know you end up loving your animals so much they inevitably things happen and and it really takes its toll on people so you've got to make sure you take those moments where it's good to really thoroughly enjoy it couldn't agree more and that leads us perfectly into what we're going to call the big questions now these are questions which obviously stuff which always comes up in the industry and we'll, we'll see how we go and if we can crack through them now the, the first one it's pretty much what we've just discussed and it's how the the role is is huge now there's so much required from us you know you're not only a poo picker <laughs> effectively like the the traditional stereotype says you know you're you're a, a light you know you, you care for something's life you're an education officer you're a nutritionist you know in some roles in some zoos you're everything and above which it it, it can feel at times one of your largest challenges it can feel overwhelming it can swamp you and i guess the the question i've got for you is what is the overall largest challenge as a zookeeper and and how have you learn to overcome it everyone will have their own separate challenges you know if you've got a new enclosure that's being built then that's going to bring a whole load of new stresses as you know we know it's happening at paradise at the moment with our big bear and jaguar projects and stuff like that but i also think it can be a challenge when nothing new is happening on your section as well like keeping that motivation level high when you have okay it's the same thing that i've been doing for the last few years like you know that in itself can be like a massive challenge to keep yourself going and motivating the other people especially like i said as a, as a section leader i'm not just thinking about myself i'm thinking about the team underneath me and and the work experience and the volunteers and there is a lot of challenges to to the industry a lot um and and i think you do end up seeing a lot of people leave probably in their mid 20s to, to early 30s because of life um you know money we like you said it's a desirable job there's lots of people that want to do it and unfortunately when there's lots of people that want to do it there's always someone who will do it for a little bit less money than you can maybe afford to do it for and because of that important as we feel we are you know i'm i'm the section leader of the birds i do the animal training oh if i left they'd be stuffed without me right well no there will be someone else who can come in come in to do it and and that adds its own pressures on on, on as well so it is a highly competitive job it's a highly opinionated job and that can put a lot of pressure on you as well because there's always someone that's going to disagree with what you uh, are doing and and that that in itself brings its own challenges as well totally i think i was that you've achieved question one question one's out of the way now question two leads more into uh, the the balance of life and this is one of the the harder questions and that is the balance you, you, everyone's heard it from a boss from a colleague and keeping that work and home life separate and, and creating the balance between the two we both know we both are very well accustomed that sometimes work follows you home mentally it, you can't shake it your, your animals a new enclosure design just an idea you've had in the day or simply the good and the bad thoughts coming back with you the question with that then is in your experience is there an easy way to achieve the balance or or is there at least a way to, to try and create a bit of a, a balance between the two uh no there's not an easy way <laughs> it's what i would say initially um there's not an easy way but there is ways and i think a lot again depends on on your personality i i always say i have lots of hobbies these hobbies help me massively not only do i play guitar play golf i go and watch 
Tottenham, although that doesn't necessarily help me out. Um, you know, I, I, I do that. And I, I'm in a marching band as well, which is a weird fact that people don't often know about me. But I'm in a marching band and I lead a marching band and stuff like that. And it just takes your focus away from things. But it is impossible to not think about work because of our type of work. It's like saying to people to go home and not think about their their crush or their, their partner and stuff like that. You know, we love our animals, right? That's the main reason why we do it. Even if someone tells you, oh, you, you can't love the animals, you shut up you're gonna love the animals that you work with you spending 10 hours a day around them of course you you spend more time with them than you do your own family of course you're gonna think about them outside of work but i think it is really important to know that outside of work is as important as inside of work and i still see it now where people will stay at work way after the time that they've stopped being paid and you know what every once in a while yeah great that's really good it shows shows your enthusiasm it shows that you want to do something for your animals but when i see people doing it every single day i just go i don't know how you'd live like i, I you know I've, I've had times where i've gone weeks where i've always stayed late and you know if you have a bird fly off well yeah you stay until 10 o'clock at night until you find that bird if you don't find it you're back at three o'clock in the morning like looking for it i've done that you know it happens and i would never expect that of people but people will will obviously do it but I do, I do worry about people. It seems like their whole life is their job. And yes, it's a career. It's a career, not a job. Okay. hundred percent, but you need things, you need hobbies outside of work that just take your focus away from it because otherwise you will literally not sleep because <laughs> you're thinking about, and, and I still, I've got hobbies and I still do it now. I'll be at band and I'm thinking about work and then I'll be at work and I'm thinking about band, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like it's, but you definitely, definitely need like hobbies that aren't animal work related as best as possible to kind of keep your, your focus on it because then you actually enjoy your time at work. You're more productive at work. I think as well, if you're, if you're there 24 hours a day, there's no way you can be as productive at all. So yeah, being able to check out and go back in and and you're more motivated the last thing anyone wants on their own their, uh, days off is constantly like messages and stuff about work and then you go back and you're like oh, i can't deal with that today like you just you need that time off to to check out and then you go back and you're you're definitely more motivated when you uh go back yeah, no totally totally agree and that that does link to this last and we you'll be happy to know we are on that last question of the big questions we're nearly there um and, and this one links to it links to us it links to to keepers and the question being, do you feel there's enough collaboration going on? Not not within collections, not internally, but across the whole spectrum, you know, whether you want to look at it as globally, whether you want to look at it as a European basis or, or simply in the UK, do you feel like that we, we are, I guess, communicating, but also coming together as a unit, like you've just said, for that common goal enough? Short answer, no. Long answer or medium answer, much better than we were 15 years ago let's put it that way um i remember when i started in the industry if you asked for like advice on a diet people were like no 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 i can't tell you tell you my diet it's my diet you know i've worked really hard on that and it's like cool but you know we're all trying to achieve the same thing here and and you still get it now you still see it on on again on facebook groups when people post about a diet and people go oh yeah but you know they have their animal nutritionists that they pay lots of money for and I'm like, well I, I appreciate that but someone's just asking for a little bit of advice and actually like 
come on, we, we can help them here. Like, don't don't think we need to be too stingy about it. Again, I get it. If you've, you've paid a lot of money to get this animal nutritionist to give you a diet, you don't want to just hand it out free, but you can at least point them in the right direction. You know, again, we're all, all again, we're, we are all trying to achieve, the, well, at least I hope we're all trying to achieve the same common, common goal. And yes, I definitely think as, as if we look at it on a smaller scale, um, in our zoo, so if we go really like small scale, our zoo, we are quite a close knit zoo. We're not the biggest site. So all the keepers, we have the same staff room we have. So we're constantly talking to each other, constantly sharing ideas. Like I said, I'm, I'm the animal training coordinator. So that's one person who coordinates the training and stuff like that. And that's not me saying that I go there and go, you must do it like this. No, you come with me with your ideas. And I go, yeah, that's a great idea. Or, or maybe you could try this, you know, so that, that works there. And then wider scale, I think zoos in the uk yeah could maybe be a little bit better we there's a lot more regular conferences now there's a lot more regular workshops now and and that makes a big difference because people are sharing and i'd always encourage people to go and do a talk go and share your ideas go and go even just go to a workshop or, or anything like that so it, it is improving but again if you want to go global and, and look at not just zoos and look at conservation and stuff like that i think you know zoos are the biggest contributor to conservation in terms of financial as well as research and helping those those things you know a lot of research that's done on wild animals was first tested on captive animals so yeah and, and monetary wise zoos donate millions millions to, to conservation there and and we've had conservation um charities that we've support at the zoo that have said we wouldn't have been able to keep going this year if it hadn't been for your donation and unfortunately you get a lot of conservation things that that will take the donations from zoos and they just won't even acknowledge that they've had a donation from a zoo and i think that's really disappointing um because uh, like like i said a lot of these won't won't wouldn't be able to function without the donations that they get from from zoos however big or small that donation is you know we can't you know london chester they can pump hundreds of thousands into it you know our, our zoo we we try to donate as much as we possibly can we do keeper run themed weekends where we raise money for the charity that we want to raise for and i think them you know we've raised maybe a thousand pound two thousand pound but at least the keeper's gone oh i've we've done that and we've donated it and and we know that that's made made a difference and stuff like that so i do think yeah conservation charities do an amazing work but i think they could maybe scream and shout a little bit more about you know the help that they are getting and i think zoos need to scream and shout more about what they are doing as well paradise we we donate to so many conservation charities but i would say our social media probably doesn't really ever shout about them like why why are we not shouting about that like we should be proud of what we no matter how big or small it is you should be proud of what you've been able to do and, and achieve so but yeah like i said quote i think like i said my azu we're quite lucky that we're quite close near i know in other collections where it's a huge zoo they're all dotted around different things and and you'll notice that one area works completely different to the other area and it, it blows my mind to be honest with you like how people don't communicate with what they're doing with everyone else on their own site you would at least think people on their own site would be able to you know do things in similar ways not saying everyone needs to do things the same way but you know yeah it can be a bit baffling at times i think you touched on it obviously i would encourage anyone listening go to workshops go to conferences you've got obviously brza erza abwac you know the whole range of platforms which you can expand upon and the biggest thing is is exploit those opportunities not only to learn 
but to talk to your peers, talk to talk to anyone you can and get those little snippets out because it will only strengthen the industry. I was terrible at it. When I first started, I the, the thought of going to a conference or, or speaking to people that I didn't know, like I'm I'm a confident person. I I'll I'll chat to anyone like I'm but I, I when I first I was like, "Oh no, they 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 know more than me. I don't, I don't want to embarrass myself." No, sod it. Like I, I, I'm yet to meet a zookeeper that doesn't like talking about zookeeping and talking about what they do and stuff like that. I wouldn't say necessarily everyone's the most polite about it or, or not like smug about it or anything like that. But you'll always find people that want to chat with you. And and like I said, you know, you know yourself included, you go, I know you go to lots of conferences and stuff like that and you, you talk to lots of people and you, that's the only way you're going to learn and get to know people in the industry and get your name out there and you know that's it's really important and there is so many of them about now as well yeah no totally totally now you'll be happy to know you've conquered the big questions we've made it through um we're on to the the final leg and we call it the quick fire rounds the quick fire is not something i do very well but i'll give it my best chance we're uh, we're definitely the wrong combo for this but we'll give it a shot give it a shot now your first one it should be a fairly easy one, and that is your favourite animal. Okay, favourite species that... Oh, sea lions. I love sea lions. I just... Aquatic mammals. They're, they're definitely my favourites. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stick with that. Solid, solid. Now, the next one is your... This is quite broad, but your top tip for, for mental health and, and well-being for anyone listening. Hobbies. Hobbies, hobbies, hobbies. Have things you can do outside of work. Uh, I've, I say it loads. I always say to people, even if it's like going for walks, you know have something you can do that you can take your take your mind off work as as best best you can and also if you're having a down moment speak to someone like and i know it's guys especially are terrible i mean i'm terrible for it now every every year my appraisal could communicate more <laughs> like uh, every, every every year for 15 years and i feel like i'm a lot better than i ever used to be but it's always the same thing you know it could communicate more and, and i think guys are especially bad for it and you know I've, I've had some really you know bad moments in in zoos where you lose animals that you really love or or, or a lot in in one go because of you know things that are out of your control and, and whatnot and yeah, definitely being able to speak to people and, and having hobbies you can do outside of work is what I would say. Make sure you talk. Yeah, totally. Totally. Some great words there. Now, your favourite film? Favourite film? My word. Um, Just plucking off the top of my head, I'd probably say Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's classic, isn't it? The best part of the industry? The animals. I, I know that's such a simple thing to say, but it, it 100% is like... Can you have a bad day if you're working with a falcon? Can you have a bad day if you're working with Hornbill? Like, no, you can't. Yeah, no, exactly that. Now, this one could go anywhere, and that is, what zoo globally would you like to visit and why? Oh, do you know what? I would love to either go to Singapore or Leipzig. I I think they're they're two quite probably they're probably ones that will get said quite quite a lot through these questions, but. Leipzig, I think it's just very, very different, isn't it? It's so different in the way that they work and they manage stuff. Singapore is definitely, I mean, just so I can go to Singapore more than, than anything. But yeah, that would be, be a pretty awesome one. But uh, to be honest, there's so many, I've, I've, so many zoos around the world that I'd love to uh, to go to. Yeah, yeah, we're very much spoiled. And uh, yeah, no, some very good choices, as you say, will probably come up many, many times, uh, those two in particular. Um, now, what what is 
I guess, what is that one trait which you feel has got you to where you are um, if you were to pick out one attribute? One trait. I'm not very good about talking about myself. Um, positively praising myself. Um, I think for years, my positivity, um, I did go through a stage of being really negative about things, but that was after a really like bad situation of, of a loss of a lot of animals and stuff like that. But um, yeah, positivity, I think just being happy and chatty and, and stuff like that and being nice. I know that sounds really cliche, but not intentionally trying to annoy people. Uh, I, I'm, I annoy people and I intentionally try to annoy people. That was a really dumb thing to say, but I, <laughs> when I, when I say that, I mean like in a jokey way and not, not going out my way to, to be a, be an idiot, but um, yeah, probably my uh, positivity and creativeness, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Now, if you, I don't have an answer to this question. I'm going to be honest with you. So I'll level with you. If you don't come back with me, I think, don't worry. I'm one of those as well. But if you wasn't a zookeeper, what would you be? Okay. So this is not going to be quick fire, but interestingly, my work experience that I did, I did it at Paradise Wildlife Park, but I was actually meant to do my work experience at a physiotherapy center. The physiotherapy center went into administration three weeks before I was meant to do work experience. So I had to find somewhere last minute. And luckily 15 years ago, it maybe wasn't quite as uh, stringent as it is now to get work experience places. I quickly, uh, my teacher went, oh, Paradise Wildlife Park do work experience. I was like, oh yeah, I like animals. I've got animals at home. I'll, yeah, that's cool. Did that and here we are 15 years later. So I probably almost certainly would have been psych in sport, be it, I uh, wouldn't have been a professional footballer, but yeah, it would have been would have been something in sport, almost certainly. Jeez, a bit of fate involved there. Look at that. Yeah, I know, crazy. Now, uh, where we're going with this next is, is there anything in the industry you feel needs a bit of improvement? I think we've said it already. To be honest with you, just a bit of communication about what everything that happens in a zoo, not just the amazing things, but I, I, I guess the word is transparency you know uh with with things i do and i think it is better now um than it ever used to be and i think a lot of it has had to be better now because of social media you know i think what was it london had a, a drill or they were doing something where when the people were like oh on twitter within 20 seconds we've been locked in the restaurant and blah, 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 all of this stuff so you know i think it has to be better because of social media um but i think it still could maybe be improved a little bit and and that is as not necessarily keepers and that is industries like actual collections being a bit more maybe transparent in in sort of everything you know that goes on right totally totally now we're getting towards the end of these questions we're nearly there but i am going to ask you quite a, a i guess a personal question and that is who's your idol within the industry idol within the industry I, hmm I, okay so i i would say there's two to an extent I, I 100% Nikki Plaskett, who now does has her own business called Shaping Behaviour and stuff like that. I wouldn't be as into animal training. And, you know, I've now done the BRs. I was one of the first, one of the first lot to do the BRs animal training accreditation and are going to be doing the, the next one next year and stuff like that. And I wouldn't be into animal training anywhere near as much as I am now. And I probably actually probably wouldn't even still be a zookeeper if it wasn't for her because she really changed my, my outlook on 
zookeeping and how we work with animals and and that you can give the animals choices even though you know they're in enclosures and stuff like that you can provide them with those choices and you can reinforce them for the choices that they make and stuff like that so i think from a from a personal perspective of why and how i'm still in the industry today definitely i i would say her when i look at the wider scope of things um steve martin um is you know again his animal training how he fly flies birds and stuff like that every time i've gone to i've been at one of his talks i'm just like mouth wide open like oh god this guy he knows everything um, and, he, and then you go and speak to him and he's just a normal person which is great um so yeah he he, he yeah 100 I, i'd say stuff that he does is, is quite is quite cool but yeah i think from from a personal perspective yeah i, I definitely wouldn't still be a zookeeper now which is ironic to say considering that nikki has now left zookeeping uh, but, but she she clearly she even said this to me like when when um uh, the deputy job of birds come up like she was like oh you're gonna you're gonna apply for that for that job yeah and she said that from from the moment that i started working with her she wanted to to mold me into being the person that could take the job from her because she knew that I'd be able to do it and it would be a person that she could trust leaving it with. So she had it planned the whole time. She definitely uh, coerced me into uh, <laughs> being being a bird keeper and an animal training, but I, I don't regret it in any way, shape or form. Great. That's some some very touching words there and, and, and great to hear. Now, we're, we're moving on to that last question of the podcast. Um, and this is going to be either the easiest or the hardest question of them all. And that is because I'm going to ask you to sum up the industry in only three words. Blimey. Um, that's two gone already. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That, that, is, that is tough. Three words for zookeeping. That's it's nigh on impossible. Um, fun, rewarding, and then, oh, God, what would be the last word? I just the whole thing is just, I don't know, it's full of unexpected things I that's not one word but i don't know how to say that in a word like every day is different even if you don't want it to be <laughs> um roller coaster let's say that roller coaster fun rewarding roller coaster i would say that sums it up pretty well pretty well i'm, I'm not surprised i fully expected you to chuck a few extra words in there <laughs> i can't not i'm a potty mouth i told you this earlier okay once i start talking i can't shut up and i apologize i'm sure i can speak on behalf of myself and all the listeners it's been um uh, it's been really, really nice and a real privilege to have you on speaking to us about your your journey and, and all about your, your taxonomic group that you work with. Um, no, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you inviting me on and, and I'd you know, happily come on any other time that you, uh, if you want me again, you probably won't want me again, but if you want me again, uh, I'd happily come on and chat about absolutely anything. So really appreciate it and good luck with the podcast and good luck to anyone listening as well that wants to get into the industry. It is tough um to get into it takes hard work to get into it and then even more hard work once you you are into it as well but it's it is definitely worth it if it's something you want to do then then push hard for it gonna put it better cheers tom um we'll uh, see you again soon pleasure see you later bye and that concludes this week's episode what an amazing guest and an amazing time we had now if you have enjoyed it please do subscribe on instagram facebook or our podcast channels to zookeeping 101 I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.